You're listening to a new episode of Girl Damn Podcast with your host, me, Aeon. So sit back, relax, and listen as I unpack the uncertainty of my 30s one episode at a time. to another episode of Girl Damn Podcast with me, Aeon, and today I want to talk about decentering the cishet gaze. So I recently, so one thing about me, if you follow me on social media, is you get to see all aspects of my personality. Like on one side, I'm very radical, I'm very pro-black, fat, queer, trans woman, but on the other side, I, I am playful. I'm open about myself and things that I like to discuss to a point. But in all of that, I don't feel like I apologize for any of that. I do recognize that a lot of cishet folks follow me. A lot of trans people who buy into cis heteronormativity follow me. And every once in a while, it'll be a situation where... So, if you follow me on social media, sometimes I get playful. I use the the code name or the aliases like T.S. Biggie Smalls, T.S. Moneybag Hole, T.S. Nat King Paul. Uh, Just as a way to kind of like break the ice before somebody has had a conversation with me. Um, Because I never want folks, especially cis people, to get in the mindset of my that I'm uncomfortable by my um transness um yeah I think I think that's what I want to say that I'm uncomfortable by my transness I think my experience particularly with cishet people is that they are more willing to accept you if you as a trans person come with this like this like cishet assimilation narrative where like that whole like born in the wrong body narrative or the the narrative of I'm just uncomfortable and I'm just trying to conform and I'm trying to take my transition seriously and um I'm just like I just feel bad about like who I am or um what I am and I'm just gonna um, fall on the sword and for me as I've evolved and I've, as I become more comfortable with myself I don't. I don't necessarily um, feel that way. I, I. I really try to live my life on purpose, and I really. I accept um, all parts of myself, and I empower myself to not have those parts of my um, transsexual identity to be uh, scandalized, to be eroticized um, by cis um, hat folks because. I believe that we are trying to create a world where uh, all people who have been historically um, marginalized um, get to own their own narratives about who they are and how they want to show up in the world. And a part of my narrative is owning 
um, my transsexuality, if that's what you want to call it, me owning, and I, I say transsexuality as somebody that's a non-operative um, trans person, um, a woman who does have a penis, and who, in me saying that I have a penis, I'm not eroticizing it, I'm not trying to um, capitalize off it, it just um, is what it is, it's just in the, in my barest form, um, that's what it is, is how I relate to the world, is how I move through um, through the world. And it's something that I'm not ashamed to um, talk about. And sometimes the, the most common reaction, especially when um, I was on Clubhouse and I, I, I had that, like I had T.S. Biggie Smalls or something like that. And when I, when I have names like that, I'm... I'm being playful and I'm being comical, but I imagine that some part of me on like a subconscious level is trying to poke at the status quo or trying to um, to push through the discomfort because it will be times where I will be on platforms and my name would be my name and um, people would like talk to me and they wouldn't even try to say the name because it... it it made them feel uncomfortable or it made them... I don't know. But every day, I'm I'm just working to decenter um, the cishet gaze from how I see myself. And um, it's hard. It's a struggle because um, I'm not going to... Gender constructs are real. And people feel comfortable with gender constructs and with that becomes respectability. And I know that me accepting myself as a non-operative trans woman, that in and of itself shatters um, respectability because me being a woman with a penis... I'm not supposed to have pride in I'm not supposed to have pride in myself. I'm supposed to be repulsed by the idea that my body exists the way that it does. Or on the upside, I'm supposed to immediately go to this hypersexual aspect of myself and just capitalize on it and just be in this secret sexual world that's underground and never to be seen in public, never to be talked about openly um, in public conversations. So it kind of um, becomes these two differing extremes of how I'm supposed to feel about myself one and then how I'm supposed to show up in the world and I think that the the work that the work that I'm trying to do just on a through my own intimate circles and people that I'm associated with is creating more space for us to especially for trans people that don't plan on having gender confirmation surgery for whatever reasons um for creating a space for creating a, a space within community but also creating a space within the world where we can um own our narrative talk about our narrative, talk about our point of view, not feel um, not feel beaten up about it, not feel uh, ashamed about it, to um, have pride in it. And also to, ch to challenge um, cis folks, why does the fact that 
me like playfully joking about me having a penis or even talking plain face about me having a penis and being a woman and navigate through through the world why does that make you so uncomfortable why can i not talk about that why can I, like why why is there why is there no space for me to um talk about it and to be free to um share about to share my experience why is it so wrong that for cis people for cis people, you can intrinsically know that a cis woman has a vagina or a cis man has a penis, no matter what it looks like or the differences and all of that. But people can intrinsically know that. Kids can intrinsically know mommy has a a, a fee and daddy has a pee-pee. But for trans folks, it's, it's just the unspeakable that a, a woman can have a pee-pee and daddy can have a, a JJ. And um, and I don't know. I just I just want to live um, in a world where um, I just I just want to live in a world where I have the autonomy to uh, determine um, how my body is going to um, show up in the space. And I, I feel like so many times that um, that that whole silence around not talking about um, trans bodies and the uniqueness of trans bodies and the possibilities that how they could um, show up they really do a disservice especially to trans um, to trans folks that are um, trying to survive in this world where um, everything is so cis heteronormative but I say all of that to say um, turning it back to me that I'm just at a point in my life where I'm not letting nobody strip me of my sexuality to strip me um, of my sense of humor um, because I believe that I am a part of the guard that is I'm really fighting to create a space where we can openly talk about these things and it's so important because ultimately me I want to impact these systems. I want to impact these um, institutions um, on every level. Uh, what's coming to my mind right now is um, thinking of like medical systems, thinking about myself as I age. It's not enough for me to just want to age and want to um, live this life where I'm carefree and I have rest. I also want to know that when at me as a trans person, when I come into these systems, that I'm going to be received, that I'm not going to be criminalized for having a different body, I'm not, that I'm not going to be um, pushed away. I was thinking about... Um, what is her name? Tori Cooper from HRC. They, they were having like a series of conversations for World AIDS Day. And she was talking about how um, she's, she's a, a black trans woman in her 50s. And she was talking about how there's a need for her as a black trans woman to have breast exams and prostate exams and I and I'm somebody that even like t even when I was doing my advocacy work like back in 2011 I was thinking about where are the campaigns particularly for trans femmes because that's what I am I'm a trans femme I'm a trans woman where are the campaigns where we're actually having conversations particularly for trans women that do have prostates whether you have gender confirmation surgery or you don't where's the space for us to openly have these conversations to openly have this dialogue to say that yes we need we need we need to be checking for breast cancer but we also need to be checking for prostate cancer and 
I've tried to have some conversation with, with girls that I'm close to. And when I bring up the fact that we need to, girls that I know that are not get, that don't have sex, that don't have gender confirmation surgeries and that are not going to get them. When I bring up, you know, girls, we age, we got to get prostate exams. They just cringe. And <clears throat> like, I get why they cringe because living in the world that we live in, we shouldn't talk about that. But they're, but it is a possibility that trans women um, could be diagnosed with prostate cancer. And, you know, where's the work that is being done to kind of push back against the binary to kind of create space for um, these bodies to exist and receive service and receive care? I also think of trans masculine folks who um, have to deal with ovarian cancer. Some trans masculine folks who have died from ovarian cancer because they weren't be they weren't um, able to be served by a t- traditional OBGYN because men don't have vaginas, quote unquote, and you can't get served here, or people just wouldn't want to touch you. So I don't know. I just. I hope that I hope that collectively as a society, these are the places that we are moving to because ultimately it's about it's about preserving lives. It's about um, shifting systems, shifting the status quo to preserve lives. Um, That's what I hope this non-binary conversation um, is doing. Um, Because ultimately we need to um, impact these systems because I don't know. When I look at my body in the mirror, when I'm naked, like when I see my breasts and I see my penis, it doesn't, I'm not, I'm not instantly eroticized just by the thought of my body, right? Just me walking through the house naked, doing my thing, or just, just like when I think about my body, I'm just not, I'm not eroticized by it. I'm not appalled by it. But that also lets me know the power that cishet people have to create this narrative of trans bodies and how it's so pervasive and how um, we have to work so hard to kind of dispel these narratives, to to dispel these myths, to have this conversation. Um, I don't have the perfect answer for every trans person for how to decenter the cishet gaze in their life, but... I think my purpose as a messenger is to acknowledge that um, living in a cishet world that prizes being able to um, pass, that prizes being able to assimilate, um, I, I for one know that assimilation is not going to save us. It doesn't save, it doesn't save me as a black person. It doesn't save me as a woman and it damn sure doesn't save me as a trans person. And I don't know, I, I just, I do want to challenge everybody to think about how, um, how the cishet gaze shows up in our lives and to really interrogate whether that's something that you're comfortable with or wh- whether that's something that you want to push back against. For me, I have to push back against it because ultimately it will come down to a matter of life and death. And I just hope that, um, God willing, by the time I get to that age where I have to get those mandatory prostate exam checks along with my breast exam um, checks. I I hope that the culture has evolved enough where there's space for me to be exp- um, 
accepted, for me to receive care, for me, for me to just not have to hide parts of myself and to um, openly discuss parts of my life without scandal, without ridicule, without punishment. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm. Yeah, I, but I did get to a point where I, I got tired of living my life for um, the approval of cis hat people. Because I, I think I had to come to the point where I realized that I'm not cis. I'm not cis. I'm not hat. I never will be. And I have to start having the audacity to envision a world um, where I would be fully free and taking the risk of working towards creating that world. That's all the conversation I have for the, today. This is definitely going to be one of those touchy topics. So if you have any comments or any thoughts, feel free to email me. I also I also relaunched my own personal Twitter, um, Brianna J. Esquire. So if you want to talk about this on Twitter, make sure you use the hashtag Girl Down Podcast. And let me know what you, what you think about um, the show's topic. All right, y'all. See y'all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Girl Down Podcast with me, Aeon. If you like the show, please be sure to go on over to Apple Podcasts and rate and review this podcast. Also, make sure that you're engaging with me on social media. Also, if you have any inquiries or you want to send me any questions, be sure to email me at girldownpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, bye, y'all. <laughs>